Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 141 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here with Joshua Perry. And uh, we kind of expected there to be some stuff that happened the last weekend. There was a couple of good games, Joshua. But overall, anything that you were surprised with this past weekend in college football? I mean, it wasn't like the greatest weekend of college football ever. Um, There were a couple of games. I'll say out of the Big Ten, I expected um, Maryland to be more competitive in that Friday night game. So that was surprising. Um, I thought Ohio State looked really good against Rutgers, who I think is – they're they're definitely an improved team. Like, I think they're a solid football team. We saw the way they competed against Michigan. Ohio State blew them out. Um, And then just looking ahead, this Penn State-Iowa thing is going to be wild. Yeah. That's and and I'll go over the top twenty-five, just the top ten out of that this week because Alabama is still at the top with fifty-three first-place votes, but Georgia did get nine first-place votes this week after um, beating Arkansas this past weekend. Iowa, here we go in that three spot, and Penn State at four. So again, this is going to be a really intriguing matchup, followed by Cincinnati at five, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Oregon and Michigan and BYU right round out the top 10. So you've got a few big 10 schools there in the top 10, Joshua represented. Yeah. And then Michigan state sitting right outside yeah. at 11. Um, so the big 10 is strong this year, especially the big 10 East. You could say that it's uh, the, the most competitive division in college football, which I love to claim. Um, I know just in terms of the top 10 rankings, a lot of people had an issue with Ohio State being back above Oregon right now. Um, I don't. And, well, and, and there, it's, it's twofold, right? Because they're both one-loss teams and Ohio State lost to Oregon. So the thought process is that Oregon, since they beat Ohio State, should be ranked higher. And my, right. my thought process on that is, all right, so after Ohio State lost to Vatek, in 2014 like at what point was it okay to say like they're a better team than Virginia Tech and they just lost on that singular day you know right like we can we can say that in and this is me being an Ohio State apologist 100% of the way but um they dominated Minnesota in their first game especially in the second half they went out there even in a loss to Oregon where the defense was as bad as it's been all year the offense put up over 600 yards then they go out in the next game, don't look necessarily great against Tulsa. That's still a three-touchdown win. Go out there, beat Akron the way you're supposed to beat Akron. Then they beat Rutgers, who's a Big Ten opponent, you know, by, what, five, six touchdowns or whatever the case was. Yeah. So that's where you start to have the conversation was what we saw out of Ohio State in week two in aberration. And they're really a good football team that was going through some growing pains with the young quarterback and a defense that was just in turmoil? Or do you say that Ohio State is maybe a fraud and Oregon should have won that game and they've kind of, you know, like that's the conversation. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it. There's some people that believe that it's weird to do that, especially 
just a few weeks removed from Ohio State's big win, but here we are. Well, and here's how I look at it, being the non-Pac-12 enthusiast that I am (laughs) in the current times. I keep saying that the Pac-12 continues to say that it has its power programs, i.e. Oregon, and these power programs continue to lose games that they shouldn't lose within the conference. So my whole thing is who, who... I mean, who needs to explain why Ohio State's ahead of Oregon? Because in the way that I look at it, Ohio State has consistently been one of those programs that has been there at the top. And yeah, they're going to have down games or they're going to have growing pains. But from the track record I've seen from Ohio State, it's a better track record than what I've seen from Oregon Right. in terms of where they're at as a program and how they can compete to be in the actual college football playoff. Oregon's shown me none of that. Right. And in, in a way, weaker conference, in my opinion. Yes. So for Oregon, I have no problem with them, Ohio State, being above Oregon, even though Oregon beat them this year. Yes. Because I look at the overall picture and what I've seen with the programs, and in my eyes, Oregon's gone back a step instead of moving forward, and a great opportunity to move forward within the conference. So there's right. where my issue lies. Yeah, and then you also ask the question, then we, we'll get off of this, but... Um, Ohio State's loss was to Oregon, obviously, but that's a team that is still a top 10 team. Oregon's loss was right. to an unranked Stanford. Yes. And so I also asked the question about teams, and I think this is where, like when I'm doing power rankings in the Big Ten, for example, mm-hmm. this is where a lot of people look at me kind of sideways and say, well, how could you put a team in a certain spot? My question sure. is, on that team's worst day, what are they? Mm-hmm. And so if yeah. Ohio State's worst day is a loss to a top 10 team, then I feel like that's a really good team. If Oregon's worst day is a loss to an unranked team, then that's who they Mm -hmm. are. And and that's what we've seen up to this point is even when Ohio State's looked bad, they've still been able to beat teams by three or four touchdowns. So you also have to have that conversation as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So just a little bit of information on, you know, maybe why they're flip-flopped there. Again, it's the AP poll. You never know what's going to (laughs) happen with that. Right. So let's get into our first segment, and I wanted just to pick your brain about this subject because this is a guy that you have such great respect for. We've brought his name up on this podcast so many times, and that's Luke Fickle getting a huge win. Cincinnati did his team over Notre Dame this past weekend, really putting them in a great spot early on in the season. I understand it's early on, but everything counts you know, when you're trying to get in that college football playoff. How impressed were you just with their ability to go to South Bend and win on the road and just getting this type of victory to put them in this position early on? I I thought it was huge. And I'll I'll say this about Notre Dame. And I I said this before um, they played Cincinnati on multiple different places. I don't think Notre Dame is as good as the credit they're getting nationally. Mm-hmm. With that being said, they were ranked what they were ranked at the time of the game. They have way better athletes in Cincinnati, 100% do. They've got better resources, the whole deal. And Cincinnati dominated that game, in my opinion. And you can look at the score and say, oh, you know, it's 24 to 13, and it, which is still a, a pretty wide margin against a team that is a historic power. But you look at what Cincinnati was able to do, and specifically in the second quarter of that game, Mm 
Um, and I think that is indicative of what that game really was. It was 17 to nothing at halftime. Yep. Um, Cincinnati was in control of that football game from start to finish, as they should have been. Because, like I said, you look at Notre Dame and what they have done this year, I don't necessarily think it's overly impressive. So if you're Cincinnati, you should go out there and control that game. And so I give teams credit for winning the way that they're supposed to win, right? Yep. That's what the good teams do is yep. when they are better than a team that is on their schedule, a team that is in front of them, they go out there and they prove it. They, they yeah. play that way. And that's where I think Luke Fickle's team has been big because they went out against Indiana and they beat a down right. Indiana team the way that they're supposed to. And then they yes. get a Notre Dame a national power and they control that game the way that they should, if they feel like they're a contender. So Luke fickle to pull this all together um, is, and people talk about urban Meyer as a culture builder, right? Luke fickle's mm-hmm. that guy. You, yeah. you talk about a culture. The linebacker room was one of the most respected rooms in the building when I was playing at Ohio state, because Luke fickle fickle is a culture builder and he has standards and he knows how to connect with players and he's uncompromising, but he, He's also been around greatness and knows how to pull greatness out of people. When you just look at the players that he's coached, Bobby yeah. Carpenter, Anthony Schlegel, A.J. Hawk, James Laurinaitis, uh, Marcus Freeman, who he was coaching against in that game. And then you even go down the line to guys, and I don't want to put myself in that category. But, oh, I was going to put your name in there. <laughs> but Ryan Shazier and Raquan <laughs> McMillan and Darren Lee, and you just go down the list. It's right? crazy. It is. But that it's no mistake that he's been able to have – that track record as a coach. Like he, he is that guy. Um, I love him to death. I credit him with so much of the success that I've had as a person, but also as a player. And now as a football guy who talks about the game, a lot of that is Luke fickle coming out of me. And you see it when his team goes out in the field. Well, it's, I like the point that you brought up about, he has his team ready to play and knowing how they need to play. I think that's so underrated sometimes, you know, even at the NFL level, just not, not playing up to your potential every single week, playing down to your opponent or not, maybe not doing as much as you need to do in a game, even if it is a big name, right? You're not going in there and playing any different than you are the the week before. And I think that's so important to be able to build, a consistent program and just the way that you said he's able to do that. He's got the culture built in. I mean, it's such a big part of the game. And just nowadays too, if you want to have a steady Eddie program like Alabama, Mm -hmm. it's really rare to have that year in year out. And from everything you say about Luke fickle, he's not really interested in going anywhere. I mean, that's not to say that a big job opens up and he leaves eventually, but he has made it clear that he's building something there. And guess what? You can actually see it happening when somebody stays somewhere for a hot second, opposed to just leaving after two years of success. Yep. And and that goes back to what I said about Luke being a culture builder. He is. Yeah. and, And he was very honest with us. I think I've spoken about this. Um, when he was at Ohio State because, you know, he's interviewing for jobs. But he would tell us what what exactly what was going on. So there was no surprise to us. And we always felt like we could trust him because if there was something that was of interest, he'd be like, guys, you know, this is something I'm considering. It it never came down to that when I was there, which I always appreciated. But to your point, now he's at Cincinnati and he's built – and Cincinnati's been a place where people have been able to have success. You had Mark D'Antonio and Brian Kelly – 
Um, and, and now obviously Luke's having success there, but he's built that thing back. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's in that national conversation of, can it be a playoff team? And down the line here, they're going to be moving to the big 12 conference. And so that makes the decision a lot harder for Luke fickle too. Now you're going to be in that power five conversation in a, yeah. at a place like Cincinnati. Um, and so he's really going to be choosy about the opportunities. Now it's not to say that if that Notre Dame job opened up, is that somewhere sure. Luke would want to be? Right. I don't know. It might make a little bit of sense if, uh, you know, James Franklin ends up taking USC and that Penn state job opens up. Is that something that makes sense for Luke fickle? It might, I think it does. Yeah. Um, but those are also once in a lifetime type jobs and opportunities. And I'm sure that he would have that conversation, uh, with the players in that room to let them know, like, Hey, you know, if these opportunities pop up, I'm going to have to have a real consideration about it, but he is not actively seeking jobs right, right. now. Like you see other coaches do, like you can tell, when a coach is at a place like Cincinnati having success and they start flirting with all these other oh, schools, yeah. that ain't Luke. Right. Which I respect because there's not as many coaches like that out there. No. So that's why you have to really credit the ones like Luke because they're far and few between. I mean, it is just what it is, right? Okay. Yes. One quick question about Cincy before we move on. Yes. Really, do you see them getting a chance to play in the college football playoff? I know there's a lot that can happen, but when you're looking at these teams ahead of them right now and maybe things that can happen on that schedule, what's your thoughts? I mean, they're right there in the top five. That's what I look at is what's going on ahead of them. So um, one of Iowa and Penn State is going down this weekend. Yep, correct. the, The conversation there is like, Okay, if that game is a three-point, two-point, one-point game, right, uh-huh. the, can you actually drop one of them out of the top four? Right. And in my opinion, I would say no, with the caveat that Penn State still got to play Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. So that's yep. going to handle itself. Um, yep. For Cincinnati, this is the one thing that I look at. And the where I, I'm being honest about this team is, like I said, I'm not exactly convinced that Notre Dame is as good as they were getting credit for up to that point. Um, So you would, you would want Notre Dame to have some success in the second half of this year. If you're Cincinnati, you look at that game against Indiana, which was supposed to be one of their, their marquee victories. Um, And it is over a big 10 opponent, but Indiana is down right now, like down, down. Um, And so that takes the shine off of that. And as you look at, at the American conference right now, there, there aren't a bunch of games out there that you say, okay, this is going to be a good resume builder because there, there's only two ranked teams, I believe in the American right now, um, maybe three, but that's going to be the thing for Luke fickle is you have to win all of your games. Like he has no yes. margin of error, but no. they, they have to be convincing too. Like you can't skate through the rest of your schedule in the American. Nope and expect people to give you that national top four respect. If right. he can run through that schedule and blow teams out, 100% they can get it. Yeah, and and I feel like just the way that he's got his team believing and, and buying in, I feel like that they can do yeah, that. And, and they got I, a great quarterback too. You know, yeah, they their, do. Their quarterback yeah, went out That's there. a great story. Yes, but he proved that he yep. can – because I think Notre Dame, the strong suit of their team is the defense. And they got a couple oh, of cats yeah. on that defense that I think can, you know, they're, they're legit oh, yeah. American type players. And Ritter went for almost 300 passing in a couple yep. tutties. Yep. He's really good. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a program that I definitely root for, you know, I don't want to call them an underdog, but in, in this college football world, it, they are a bit of an underdog. So yeah. I always root well, for the stories and best the, the team coaches. in the state of Ohio. So I know crazy, right? Uh, who would have thought? Okay. So let's move on real quickly to a team that I watched a little bit more of this weekend, just because I'm down here in sec country. And I still have this whole thing popping into my head. Every time I see Georgia play, what the heck is going on at the quarterback position? Like it's JT Daniels or he's hurt. And then, and then uh, Stenson Bennett Stetson is Bennett. in Stetson Bennett <laughs> is in the fifth or whatever it is, the long lineage. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I love this Georgia team because the defense is absolutely incredible. Yes, it is just a force to be reckoned with. But then I look at the quarterback position which offensively your quarterback makes you go. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on here? Because they still can't figure out who is the actual quarterback. And I guess JT Daniels this week, he was held out of throwing drills. He kind of like hurt his leg and that's why he wasn't playing. So Joshua, my question to you is if they get into a fight with Alabama, can they really win a game like that without the offensive power and just remain focused on the defense to take Alabama out of the game? So I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you're going to make a legitimate run at a national title, um, I think it comes down to game-changing quarterbacks. Um, right. And, and we're, we're seeing defense rise to the top, right? Alabama yeah. has a good defense. Georgia has a phenomenal defense. Iowa's defense is lights out. I think Penn State has a really good defense as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing these teams right now rising with these defenses, specifically Georgia, Iowa, Penn State. Georgia, like you said, quarterback situation, bad. Iowa, they got a game manager at quarterback, which is not a bad thing. I don't think game managers are necessarily winning national championships in 2021. I think Penn State's got the most electric quarterback out of the trio I just mentioned, yeah. Um, but I also I also think that Iowa can make him make some mistakes this weekend too. Right? Sure. And so you start going down the list. You talked about a Cincinnati team where I think their quarterback is a legit game changer. Yeah. Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler is as up and down as a guy can be. Oh my god, right. But when he's at his best, is that guy not a game changer? No, yes, he, he is. is. Yeah. Ohio State. We saw what CJ Stroud can do, right? Yep. When he is healthy. And the playbook is open and the play calling is imaginative and he can use his legs and, you know, he's confident. That guy is going to be a game changer by the end of the year. He's building into that. And so that five, six, seven group right there scares me a little bit more at the end of the year when you start talking about championships than two, three, and four. And it's not to discredit those teams because I think those teams will have every bit of a chance to, to compete for a championship. Because they're very, very good football teams. Yeah. I think the teams with the game-changing quarterbacks are the teams that win the championships nowadays. Yeah, and, and we've had that conversation, Joshua, on this podcast. And and that's more so than ever, I think. And that's why you saw a guy like Nick Saban finally yep. buy into that 100%. and know that he has to have a quarterback. Because look at the quarterbacks prior to the ones he's had in the past six, seven years, right? They're, I, I don't mean to be rude, but they're just game managers. No, that's I what mean, it comes and that's, down to. that's the guy that we played in the first year of the playoff. He was Absolutely. a game manager type guy. 
Um, and and he what, who uh, was that by the way? Blake Sims. Oh God, yeah. I don't even remember. Jeez Louise, he's, yeah, a, he's right. a good player, but he sure. wasn't. He wasn't with Alabama's. And you can go through recent history, right? Like, oh uh, yeah, Mac Jones won one national title last year. Obviously, right. he is a game changing quarterback. Then you go yes. back a year uh, to, to yes, and that guy is a game changer. Then you look at other teams for Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. That dude's a game yeah. changer. Look at yeah. what he did at quarterback. And then you got a Joe Burrow. Like that dude right. is a game changer. And right. you can just go back and back and back and see the type of guys right now that are bringing the championships back to their schools. They are the quarterbacks that are the first round draft pick. I'm yep. not exactly convinced that the guy in, you know, like I'm being completely real. Like some of these cats that I named for uh, <laughs> a couple of these schools, like I'm not sure how long these dudes are going to be playing in the NFL. I yeah, we're I talking mean, about maybe, first maybe round a backup picks. somewhere. Yeah, right. Like those are the guys winning the championships right now. Well, and that's why I keep bringing up the Georgia thing and telling blue in the face because I don't see JT Daniels and definitely not Stetson Bennett um, being a starter in the league. I just don't. No. I mean, J- JT Daniels. I don't know what his deal is. He was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks yes, in was. the country. He's a head. I think he's a head case. He's obviously had some injuries. Um, and then, you know, Stetson Bennett, thank God he came back to Georgia because he's pretty much at least held them upright on right. the offensive side. Cause otherwise who they'd have, who would they have? Well, I don't know. Maybe so, they, maybe they got Cardell Jones sitting at number three. On okay. The <laughs> Coming up Cardell. <laughs> Can't forget about Cardell Jones. Uh, I know it was funny. You had mentioned Alabama, Joshua. And when I covered Alabama, during Nick Saban's first year there. Yeah, that's how old I am. Um, I was covering like John Parker Wilson. Yeah. We're talking about guys like Greg McElroy that yeah. were there. And those are all like game manager guys. And yeah. I love Greg like on air. I think yes, he's a really I think smart he's guy. super smart. Yeah, he's like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but those were just like your average quarterbacks that got the job done because yes. Alabama's defense was lights out. Yeah, they were going to run the ball. They were going to play defense. Right. It's yeah. changed. Um, we are not going to have time to get to Michigan, but we promise you so let me, let we're going to dabble in that. Okay, Joshua's going to got to say something. He's got to say something. And I know okay. you're, you're on a time crunch, but real quick. So <laughs> Michigan is at a point right now where I think that they have wanted to be. It's where we start to yeah. talk critically about them as a top 10 team because yeah. they've earned the right for that criticism. Right. I don't think their fan base is ready for it, though, because anytime you start saying things about, well... <laughs> What about this and what about that? You know, people start to say, oh, you can't let us live and, and you can't let yeah. us be great and all those types of things. And so I think this is really good. And I think this is something that Michigan fans have to embrace is the fact yeah. that now we're critical of your team because they're a top 10 team, not because Correct. they're lacking so much. This is it's no. a paradigm shift for them, but it's awesome. And that's the thing. I am more, I am one of those people that I will say my honest opinion and I'm not going to hold back, right? Right. And that's why I'm so like zoomed in on certain subjects because they continue not to show change. And but when someone shows change or a program shows change, I'm going to say, "Hey, I acknowledge the fact that you're a better team, right? You're you're doing some good things." And that's what I wanted to say in terms of Michigan and and I think we will dive a little bit more into them next week especially if uh, I don't know who they're playing they this got week, Nebraska Joshua. which I think could okay. be a sneaky upset alert yeah so let's let's see what happens with that game but I'd like to talk a little bit more about Michigan but I'm I'm here the first to say right now at this point I have seen good things from Michigan and I'm willing to admit that 
that's what I wanted to say. For sure. I agree. So uh, we appreciate you guys hopping in for a quick episode of Press Pass this week. We're excited for some more good games on the slate. Of course, we'll discuss all of that and all the drama that unfolds this weekend. Where can they go to find you, my friend? Find me at RIP underscore J-E-P on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV. We always appreciate you tuning in to Press Pass and have a great weekend of college football. We'll see you and you'll hear from us next week. Take care.